Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Cause I'm TNT. I'm a power load. Welcome to the last, the final Andrea K show of 2016. You know, before we came in to do the show tonight, I was actually a little nervous coming in because it was like, how in the world do I cover such an extraordinary year in 54 minutes? And you know what? There's really, that's almost an impossible task. So I just decided to have some fun tonight as well as just do some topics that are really important to me. And of course, I'm grateful to have all of you sharing this time with me. Follow me on Twitter at Andrea K Show. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. No, I'm not on Snaps or any of the other ones yet. I'm maxed out. I'm doing all I can do, right? But I'm also thrilled to share this time with with none other than the mime over behind the booth who always makes me laugh before we get going. It's none other than DJ Carrot Sticks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But Uh, you've been eating more than just carrot sticks over the holiday. Yeah, I've been bad. (laughs) A lot more than vegetables. (laughs) Yeah, a lot more than carrot sticks. But that's okay because we've got the new year and New Year's resolutions uh, to try to tackle that, right? We're going to talk a little bit about the New Year's resolutions throughout the show. I'm going to ask each of my guests tonight if they make New Year's resolutions. I do not because I think that you should live every day in a goal-oriented fashion. You should wake up every day and say, what do I want to accomplish today? And make a list to make it happen daily, weekly, monthly, and all throughout the, all throughout your life. Um, but what is going on right now? Before we talk about maybe a little bit of recap stuff on 2016 or whatever, we got to talk about breaking news today because it kind of has to do with, with legacy and what's happened. If you look at the breaking news stories that have happened today and yesterday, they're all perfect symbols of Obama's legacy. There's a whole lot that's going to be written about his legacy, uh, depending on what channel you watch. Most of it's going to be false. Um, But just look at the facts. Don't listen to what people say. You look at the pimp slap to Israel, declaring Israel's citizens, Jews, wanting to live wherever they want in Israel as breaking international law. Talk about a pimp slap to Israel. Look at the choreographed mall riots on Christmas Day choreographed mall riots on Christmas Day. SWAT teams had to be called out, people injured, including police force. And you know what? Yeah, we're going to say it here. Blue Lives Matter. Uh, We had a college professor, I guess, on Christmas Day tweeting out. uh, Let's see what he, all I want for Christmas is white genocide. Do we have that kind of crap happening in a Republican presidents? Either, Either George W. Bush or 41 or Reagan? No. We didn't have this kind of racial division, this kind of rioting in the streets among past presidents. We did occasionally. Obviously, we had the, you know, L.A. riots at different times. But I'm talking about as as a part of our regular lives now. We're seeing this constantly. His legacy, and it's because it's intentional. It's all choreographed. His legacy was one choreographed cultural Marxist tirade for eight years. It's all anti-American, anti-Judeo-Christian movement, revolution, his intent was to transform us into his Islamic Marxist utopian society. And the way that they got to go about doing it is through divisiveness. His legacy proves why everyone was right to ask the questions back in 08 about who he was, about his communist background, his Muslim Islamist background, the people that he associated himself with, like the bigot Reverend Wright, like the terrorist Bernadine Dorn, I think that was her name, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, 
what this man was all about. We weren't allowed to ask that, right? We were racist. Well, there's a reason why we were right to be posing these questions. There's a reason why the left tried to shut us up. Shame on John McCain in 2008 for that. But that's why they didn't want us to ask these questions, because of who he really is. Well, you look at what's happening, the state of this country today, you look at the recent moves that he's made on his way out the door, and there's no need to ask these questions anymore. We have every answer to every question we ever had about this man, about who he is, and about what he stands for. We're going to take a break. When we come back. We're going to talk to Dan Perkins, who's a foreign policy expert, and uh, talk about this UN resolution and what it really means for us going forward. We're going to be looking back. We're going to be looking today. We're going to be looking towards 2017, and it's all in the next hour on the Andrea K Show. So don't go anywhere. sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. In case you haven't figured out by now, we've got some bumper music going on to pay tribute to some celebrities who passed away this year. This morning, we found out Carrie Fisher passed away. I mean, what a year for losing celebrities. So many, in fact, that I couldn't even do a segment on it because there's just too many celebrities to, to feature. So, you know, thank you, DJ Carrot Sticks, because he's going to be playing some top hits from We Lost Prince this year. Uh, we lost uh, George Michael on Christmas Day, which was um, shocking. And now Carrie Fisher. Who, did, who else did we lose maybe in 2016, especially music-wise? Do you remember? I don't remember anybody. There's definitely more. I can't think of them on top of my head. Yeah, too many, actually, because I started to think about doing a segment tonight to feature that. Too many. Um, So rest in peace to these celebrities. Um, Getting back to the topic at hand, or as Snoop Dogg would say, back to the lecture at hand, we were talking before the break about Israel and Obama's legacy and walking out the door. I said last week on my show, I said, you know what? People always show. I had to fire a lot of people in my day in corporate sales, and people always showed to me as they were leaving why they were getting the boot, why they needed to go, and they usually left in the same way they came in. If somebody comes in with a bad attitude, somebody's a difficult employee, that, that's, that's how they're going to go out. Obama's legacy is one of divisiveness. It's one of anti-American, anti-Judeo-American Christian values, and that's what part of what is at display in this amazing, shocking move that he was a part of in this U.N. resolution against Israel. Joining me now to talk about this is Dan Perkins, well-respected expert, on foreign policy. He's the author of The Brotherhood of the Red Nile Trilogy. I'm hearing a lot of people talking about this story today, and they're talking about it from a lot of different angles, not necessarily talking about uh, the the role of or what it has to do with radical Islam and the war on terror. But let's begin. Well, first of all, welcome to the show, Dan. 
Thank you for having me on again, Andrea. It's always a pleasure to be with you. Well, thank you. Um, Benjamin Netanyahu said that it was an ambush against Israel. But if I, I got on Google and started doing a search yesterday and part of my research for the show today, and, of course, Google being the, you know, um, far-left enterprise that they are, immediately what popped up was all these articles saying, you know what, this is no big deal. This isn't really a whole lot different than what Reagan did back in, you know, the 80s, something that W did back during his time. And that's just not true, Dan, right? Why is this such a huge deal? Because what we what we we have for the first time, and I'm, I'm glad you did your research, and your audience should be proud of what you've done. For the first time in the history of the United Nations, in taking the vote, the United States made the decision not to veto the censure. They decided to vote um, at basically present, and that created a 14 to zero censure vote against. The Israeli government and the settlements of the Palestine uh, in, in and around Jerusalem. Um, I think that um, as I think about what this president has done to the state of Israel, um, first of all, he clearly chose that the succession of power in the Middle East was going to cede to the Iranian government, not Saudi Arabia. And so he believed that since Israel had nuclear weapons, Saudi Arabia didn't have nuclear weapons, and Iran was on the path of building nuclear weapons, that Iran was the most logical power to become the leader and the controlling interest in the Middle East. He also, is the, to the best of my knowledge, and, and uh, if anybody out there can show me where it happened before, I'd love to hear it. He's the first president who proactively sent money and resources to the competition for the, against Benjamin Netanyahu to, to try and prevent him from becoming prime minister again. So what we had was the president sent his one of his major campaigns in, uh, in the, the 2012 campaign, plus a considerable amount of money. The president made that decision on his own to assign people to go to Israel to try and defeat Benjamin Netanyahu. Now, we've got a problem, and we've got a problem in that we, the government of the United States, not covertly, but overtly, tried to influence the outcome of the election of Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's just not the way it's supposed to be. It's the way Obama wanted it to be. And so since he lost his battle with all the resources and money he sent to Israel to try and defeat Benjamin, this is the way he tried to deal with it on his last few days in office, and that is to have the U.N. resolution passed. These are symptoms to the underlying disease. What is the disease of Obama? Why did he do this? Why did he try to unseat Bibi? Why did he do this to Israel? Why does he hate them? He hates them because he's a narcissistic person who has to believe that wherever he is in the world, when he's in the room, he is the smartest person in the world. And as it relates to his ability to conduct, and Hillary's for that matter, to conduct foreign policy, he's an abject failure. He cannot accept the fact that he's a failure, so he has to. It's just like, Andrea, the executive order that he signed limiting 
drilling or eliminating drilling on 93% of the Arctic region mm-hmm. and 3.8 million acres on the, on the coast of uh, the Atlantic coast. He did it by executive order. And uh, the last Democratic president, Bill Clinton, used the same 1953 legislation to try and stop drilling. And George Bush, when he came in, override it. Well, why are they saying that? Oh, go ahead. No, I know. I think I know what you're going to ask, but let you go ahead and ask it anyway. Well, supposedly uh, the problem is, is that, you know, it's not easily overturned, even with a Republican-dominated Congress, and even if he can, that it's going to have to take some time to do that. In the meantime, it's really going to slow any progress that Trump attempts to make with with, uh, the oil industry, which we desperately need to to regain any growth in our economy. And to become the world leader. Um, I I have been talking about this subject because I've written a great deal about energy as an investment advisor for many, many years. There's a, there's a very important distinction that I want, want to take just a moment to help your audience understand. I'm sure a lot of people in your audience, and you've even probably talked about it on your show, have talked about the concept of fake news, where people opine things and they aren't really true, but they get treated as news. One has to be very careful today in dealing with news stories as to the validity and the accuracy of the story itself. Uh, for example, all the major networks reported that of uh, this Harvard um, professor who said he knew of 20 electoral voters who were going to vote against Trump. No, he didn't say who they were, didn't say where they were. Nobody in the mainstream media challenged him as to what the accuracy of his statement. They just printed it and printed it and printed it and printed it. When they didn't change their vote. Nobody went back and say, well, what happened here? Right. Well, the same thing's going on, what's going on here in energy. Uh, If you think back for the last eight years, where has the oil that has brought us to the edge of energy independence come from? Not from government lands. It came from private lands. The idea here is that What Obama was trying to do was to try and say on his global warming initiative, he was going to stop Trump from developing. The people who are saying that it's not easily overturned are creating fake news. George Bush did it with a stroke of a pen. Mm -hmm. And it was done as an executive order, not something passed by Congress. Executive orders, regardless of their nature, can in fact be overturned. By an incoming president. Even if it's so, tied to a legislation like in 1953. If you're just tuning in, by the way, this is the Andrea K. Show, and I'm talking to Dan Perkins. Uh, speaking of things not being easily reversed, to get back to the U.N. situation, we have mm-hmm. an, an oil and gas. We have an organization. I don't even know why we're in it, because according to other research that I've done, uh, this is an article in PJ Media talking about um, in 2015, according to uh, this article, the U.N. General Assembly adopted... 20 resolutions singling out Israel for criticism, only three resolutions on the rest of the world. Only three in the rest right. of the world. We've got, we've got far more countries. Just it, That doesn't even make sense given how many countries are throwing gay people off of roofs over there and stony women for being mm-hmm. raped, right? Uh, right. Uh, also, according yep. to the same 2015 uh, to 2015 congressional testimony, the U.S. accounts for 22% of the U.N. budget, $3 billion a year. Meanwhile, 56 countries of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, which include 10 of the world's 
20 top oil-producing nations, they together only contribute a total of $360 million. So we've got, mm-hmm. and these are all the people that are, you know, hanging gay people off of telephone poles and, you know, committing atrocities mm-hmm. and cutting, beheading Christian children. So, okay, let me get right. this straight where we're at with this. We're spending $3 billion a year for an organization that's nothing but an anti-Semitic group. We're funding it. Meanwhile, the oil-producing people that are the real haters, that are, are you know committing atrocities around the world, of which the UN is supposed to be, their whole job is supposed to be stopping that or not. Why are we still in this organization? Some people are saying that this is going to finally get us out of the UN. Do you think so? I think that Mr. Trump is going to do everything within his power, either to get somebody else to pay for it or get out of it. I, I, I think that what we're seeing, we saw this in, in England when the, the common folk overturned the intellectuals and the political elites. We saw what happened. If you watched, if you watched, I watched the returns of the British folk. And what I did is, I closed my eyes and just listened to the words that were being spoken by the man and woman on the street. Those words, Andrew, were the same words that I was hearing in, in the spring and summer in the United States. The average people, the, the new racial slur, non-college educated white people uh, have had enough. And I think what we're seeing now is that the, the president of France is not going to stand up for re-election. The Italian got destroyed. Uh, Merkel is in trouble. What's happening is that the common people have decided that political correctness has gone too far and it now needs to be rejected. And we need to go back to our basic fundamental nationalistic value. I'm not saying isolationism, Andrea. I'm saying that the reason that the British people started this movement is that the, the bureaucrats who were not elected by anybody in Britain were sitting in Brussels and telling the British government they had to change 60% of their laws to comply to the laws of the EU. They were losing their culture, their history, and they rebelled against it. And we have the same situation in the United States. We were looking at no longer being a country of America because anybody who came into this country legally or illegally, there was no requirement for assimilation. The same thing, too, in Germany and France and all these millions of Arabs who came into Europe there was no requirement because of political correctness. In fact, there and was not only not a, have, a, excuse me for interrupting. There was not only not a requirement for assimilation. There is you're racist American if you expect them to assimilate. In fact, we had even after the Berlin attack, I think it was. Uh, I don't remember exactly when it was, but there, Al- Allison Camerata was on CNN. Oh, it was after the Ohio State attack when she said, you know what? Every woman in America, every American woman should put on a hijab to show support for the Muslim community. So we're actually expected to assimilate to them. I think it was more, and I think that's really what this was all about for me, even deep, going deeper into this U.N. thing against Israel, because I look at the real movement that Obama was behind, uh, just like he was a snake in the grass and, and wasn't honest about his role with his U.N. resolution and did it through abstention and behind the scenes. We don't know what the evidence is that Bibi has that Obama was behind it, but no doubt he was. He was also behind the Arab Spring. The taking out of Hosni Mubarak, the taking out of Gaddafi in order to he funded the Muslim Brotherhood and the most extremist of the Islamic ideology to to rise up over there. He's intentionally backing. He has 
taking the wrong side against the West. And that's so much what this is about. Obama funded the Arab, what I call the springboard to global jihad. And that, to me, is what the underpinnings of what this is about. Final thoughts in one minute before we have to go. Okay. I think he's also responsible for the creation of ISIS. When he put, when he drew the line in the sand in Syria, didn't do anything about it, and uh, he called them, you know, rookies, JV. Uh, he didn't take them seriously, and it shows that his ineptness in foreign policy, along with Hillary Clinton. Well, we're going millions to, of people have yeah. died. Yes, millions of people have died because of his ineptness. Yes, millions of people have died because of his ineptness. The people that could be saved and rescued are being handpicked and cherry picked, and they're not Christians. They're not people that share our American Judeo-Christian principles. This country was founded on Judeo-Christian principles. It is our job to protect. Do not only stand with Israel, but to protect Israel. And he threw them under the bus. He threw them to the wolves. And I believe that he will be cursed for it. Dan, Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays. Happy New Year's. And thank you for being on the show today. Always a pleasure. Thank you, dear. All right. Whew, I was getting fired up. I need to exercise the demons on the next break. All right, don't go anywhere because we're going to shift gears, actually. We're going we're gonna to get into something optimistic as we go into 2017 because you know what? There is much to be optimistic about. Trump is going to deal with this U.N. situation. He absolutely is. A new AP poll came out. 55% of Americans are feeling hopeful about th- that things are going to get better for them in 2017, especially economically. And we're going to shift gears and talk about that when we come back. So don't go anywhere. More Andrea K. Show coming right up. Yes. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook page at Andrea K, spelled K A Y E. Statistics have shown that at some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hatley of the Hatley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Woo. Welcome back to The Andrea K Show. Glad to have you here with me. I mean, that, you know what, of, of so many amazing movies and movie soundtracks over the years that American has produced, Hollywood entertainment industry has produced, that's got to be one of the top five soundtracks of all time. Of course, everybody knows what that is. That's Star Wars, played because we, we lost today uh, Carrie Fisher. And here's a little insider scoop about Andrea Kay. I've never seen a Star Wars, but I do dig the 
<laughs> the faces I'm getting from the crowds. By the way, my buddy, my girl, Elisa Brent, has joined me here in the studio. Uh, yeah, I've never. How dare you? I've never. I know, right? I'm so anti-American, but it's just you know, futuristic. That kind of movie it just ain't my thing, baby. When I was a kid, I was into Audie Murphy, you know, to Helen back, and I watched war movies when I was a kid, and you know, that's just this just wasn't my thing. You know, uh, The Godfather was a big big movie for me when I was a kid. But anyway, um, 2016 we lost a lot of celebrities, but you know what? As I was saying before the break, 2017 Americans are hopeful. In spite of bad news, in spite of economic downturns that we've had, a new AP poll came out. Michelle Obama said last week that Americans now know what it feels like to be hopeless, and that's just absolutely not true. The AP poll came out yesterday, and yeah, we talked a lot about how inaccurate the polls have been, but 55% of Americans say that they now have, it's up 12 points from this time last year, they have a positive view. They're expecting their lives to turn around economically going into the new year. They're expecting, and I think it's because they are expecting uh, more jobs, which means more people are going to get employed, which means wages are going to go up, and then they're going to be able to live a better life. And for me, so the quintessential of the American dream is homeownership. And so I got my other girl, Julie Mills Brennan, back with me to talk about the outlook, what what it looked like in 2016 and going into 2017. Welcome back to the show, Miss Julie. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Um, I've got throughout the show today, um, I've also got, you know, some all-stars that I'm weaving in and out of the show. I've got a segment coming up in which I'm going to talk about uh, my nominees for the breakout stars of the year in media. Um, In terms of business, you know, one of the reasons why I brought you into the show is because you're like my real estate all-star for San Diego. You've been in San Diego for 25 years, helping families. You know, we're going to be talking about 2016 and 2017, but you've been here for 25 years of market ups and downs. So, you know, thank you for the work that you've been doing for families here in San Diego. Oh, my pleasure. I love it. Okay. Um, So, what is the 2016 wrap-up and 2017 market forecast for real estate here in San Diego and California? Well, I mean, this year in California, 2016 brought prices as high as 2007, which was the last peak, which is we're at a we're at a a real low inventory at this point. And 92% of homeowners have reported that they have equity in their home. So that's that's a positive. Okay. The the shortcomings are that it's very low inventory right now. Long-term owners aren't just aren't moving out of their houses. They're, they're afraid of missing out on their current mortgage rate, which is really low since the prices just went up, the, the rates just went up. Mm-hmm. So they're deciding to remodel and stay. And actually 70% of baby boomers haven't moved since 1999. So really? That's kind of a, yes. <laughs> so wow. that's part of the shortage of the, causing the shortage of the inventory. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think that now that there's a positive outlook for the future, I think we might see some more movement in that area. I think people have been hunkering down, scared to make a move, not sure what was going to happen. And from not just housing, but all the sectors in San Diego and not really sure, things just felt so unstable, too unstable to move. And then I also heard a report the other day about um, a key aspect of this is that home ownership for millennials is somewhere in the 30s, and this age group is high 20s, early 30s. And, you know, traditionally, these were, for most Americans were first-time buyers in their late 20s. Talk a little bit about where the millennials are at, because that's an area that's really struggled in recent years. 
Gotcha. Yeah, so absolutely. Homeownership has dropped to nearly 60% versus 10 years ago when it was nearly 70%. And the drop in homeownership, I feel, and it, it, what, what reports are saying, is due to the millennials. The millennials basically just have a lot of debt right now, a lot of student debt, and they're delaying marriage. And actually, marriage is one of the factors of people what, what actually drive homeownership. So the survey, the survey that I looked at said that millennials do agree, however, that um, homeownership is a safe investment. Eighty percent agree. They just aren't quite ready to do so. Well, and, and it's hard right now because after the housing bubble burst, the to qualify for a loan suddenly became so much more difficult. And I think that on t- they're, they're coming out many times with degrees that don't really match what the job market is right now. They're coming out. I, I've got a lot of people, that friends that I know, that came out of law school. That used to be an industry where you were almost guaranteed not just a job but a fat paycheck. People coming out with $200,000 in debt from law school and even undergraduate can't get jobs. So now they've got the debt. Um, meanwhile, housing prices are continuing to climb, at least here in San Diego. So I'm wondering what's going to kind of burst that dam with the millennials. Are there programs out there for first-time buyers, or do you think maybe— oh, yeah. That, what, Definitely. In yeah? fact, the, the reports that I said, um, that I, I mean, that I read, it was said that uh, most of them don't even know what FHA is, which is federal <laughs> housing, and that's 3.5% down program. So I think we just need to educate the millennials a little bit more because prices are going to continue to grow in 2017 is what I'm was what I'm getting, and the lack of affordability is the biggest issue. So we and the interest rates going up didn't help. So the prediction is actually in the next five years the interest rate will be five percent. Yeah, and so what, I think we should get these millennials millennials moving. Yeah, and I did one thing that I would say is is I know back um, when I was a millennial. Um, that one of the things that a lot of co-workers of mine in corporate sales did was they bought together. You don't even have to wait, though, until you get married. I get that that's typically the trigger. You know, young single gals rent until they get popped the question, and then, you know, fiancé, they go out and look for a home. Great. That's fabulous. But a lot of gals that I worked with, they didn't wait for that. They they joined together and bought homes. I mean, there's no there's nothing to disqualify two single people from buying a home together, is there? No, no, there's not. It's just typically people, you're right, they wait until they have a dual income and they wait until they get married. But you're right, there's other ways to look at things and, you know, you can buy a duplex, live in one, rent the other and, and do it that way. There's a lot of different ways we can help people get into homes. Yeah, I think they should think out of the box because it's 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 a way for for ha- to have financial security. It the, even after the horrible bubble and the burst that we had here in Southern California, you look what's happened with the with the housing, with the values now. It's it's right back up. It's always a good long term investment, and I think it's never too soon to think about that. You get a job, you start saving your pennies, and you find a way to get that down payment, and you get that house, and that's and then you buy a condo with a girlfriend. Then you can trade up that w- when you get right. married and rent out that condo and then you've got then you can you build your portfolio and before you know it you're you know you're putting your kids off to college and you actually can maybe even retire so I think that they need to start thinking long-term plan and there's not really I'm not seeing a lot of reports or seeing experts out there like yourself really talking about this and really educating people now is the time to be hopeful America and start thinking about these things you know if you're out of college now's the time to plan for it how can people get a hold of you and have you work with them on a plan for this kind of stuff 
best way to get a hold of me at 619-992-7113, 619-992-7113. I pretty much do the whole San Diego County, so if you have any questions or want to just get pre-qualified for a loan, just give me a call and we can get that going. Last, last question. Um, I, this was a question actually from a listener. I should have asked it before you gave your contact information. What do you think about fixer-uppers? we got to have a whole lot of those in San Diego. You, you're, you're, that's, I know it can be intimidating, but that's not a bad strategy either, right? Not at all. I mean, it's what they call it sweat equity. I mean, if you can get in and, uh, you know, do get a little sweat equity and put some elbow grease into a place, and I, I think it's a great opportunity. The only ones you want to probably shy away from are just, you know, cracked slabs and things like that. But other than that, I think it's, it's an awesome way to get in as long as you're not ready to get your hands a little dirty. Well, yeah, or get your family and friends because that's when you have painting parties. It, right? Exactly. <laughs> Painting parties, cleanup parties, everything. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's a wonderful way to go. And uh, there's a lot of there's a high demand for for fixers right now just because they're they're in price points. But you know, there's still ways to get get into them. So right. I can certainly help with that as well. All right. One more time, your contact information. Sure. Six one nine 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 two seven one one three. Happy New Year, Andrea. Happy New to you to you too. Bye, sweetie. Have a good day. Love her. Love real estate. I just can't get enough of it. When I have a chance to do a marathon, a TV marathon, it's it's real estate shows that I watch. I've been working with Julie. She's helping me get a house. <gasps> I'm doing it zero down. There's a grant program that's helping me to not have to have a down payment. We lost our house eight years ago to foreclosure because of the bubble that burst. Well, yay. And we're now in a position where we can buy again. It's well, beautiful. fantastic. I love Julie. Yay. Such a feel-good story going into the new year. Love it. Love you. Hope. Yes, hope. <laughs> All right, now we're going to take a break. We come back. We're going to talk a little bit about 2016 and some some breakout stars and have a little fun at the same time. So don't go anywhere. It's the Andrea K. Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. spelled K-A-Y-E. Home buying and selling can be a daunting and stressful experience. It will likely be the biggest financial purchase of your life. Hi, I'm Julie Mills Brennan, and I've been selling homes in San Diego for over 20 years. I've seen the market in its highs and in its lows, and through the years, I've immersed myself in nearly every market area. I realize that anyone can find you a house. I want to find you a home, a home that you will build great memories in. Call me or text me at 619-992-7113. Call me today. I would be honored to help you find your dream home. You're listening to The Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Oh, George Michael. Yeah, trying to find some peace. You know what? I don't think many of us really thought about what an amazing voice he had. You know, he wasn't just a, you know, a hot looking pop star. Dude was major talented. That's the amazing voice of none other than George Michael. Hey, welcome back to the Andrea K. Show. I decided uh, for my last show of 2016, usually each week I do my awards for Hero of the Week and Last Week's Fool, This Week's Tool Award, which is particularly fun. And I decided to wrap up 2016 with my Breakout Stars of the Year Awards. And here was here were my nominees. We're going to do a little a la CMA's AMA award style here. My first nominee... Uh, was the first woman to run a national presidential campaign and win. She broke the glass ceiling. That was Kellyanne Conway, of course. My second nominee, another gal, she's the first first daughter to already be talked about as the first female president before her dad even takes office. 
Y'all know I'm talking about Ivanka Trump, right? My third nominee is the, the choice for the right-hand man whose steady hands and poise helped his first man get elected. And, of course, I'm talking about Mike Pence, right? Now, my next nominee, my next to last nominee, is the man whose deep voice you've heard on this show a few times, his deep voice of conviction when he's speaking the truth about Islam and how to defeat it before it defeats us is none other than Sebastian Gorka, fairly new face on the scene, but man, talk about a breakout star, right? And then my last nominee for this category is the ladies who came out of nowhere, North Carolina, whose sassy style of stumping for Trump not only propelled them to social media stars, but helping the equally unconventional presidential candidate win. That's my, of course, my final nominee is none other than the ladies known as Diamond and Silk. And the winner, the award goes to Diamond and Silk. <laughs> Applause! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Well, thank you. I mean, that, that my list of nominees is pretty high-end, but I think everybody, as I was reading the list, had to have known that y'all were the winners because, I mean, literally, y'all took this nation and this election by storm out stumping. How does it feel mm. to be bigger winners than Hillary Clinton? Mm, honey, it feels amazing. It feels so amazing. Good. Like, wow, we did this. We did this. Yeah. We all did this. All of us together. All Americans, all of us did this. And this, I'm so proud about it. Yeah. Well, y'all should be proud because you really put yourselves out there. And anytime anybody puts themselves out there in the media eye, particularly somebody like yourselves who were unconventional, uh, you can put yourself in the in the sights of a lot of hate and a lot of people saying, what are you doing? You've taken to the wrong side. You're not supposed to leave the Democrat Party. That's right. What do you say you to them now? Out. Well, yeah. you know what we used to say, the more they hate it, the more you hate, the more we go educate. And you mm-hmm. guess what? Our haters made us greater. That's right. Because the more they spew hate, the more we had to educate them and let them know you can no longer continue to vote for a system that keeps handing you crumbs. Right. And you guess what? Some of them people got off of that Democratic plantation and voted for Trump. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but a lot of them are still on that plantation, and a lot of them were running around trying to literally issuing death threats against the electors. Oh, yeah. And trying to literally trying to overturn a free and fair election that y'all help put in the hands of President Trump. Now, what did you think as this was going on? Were y'all getting nervous when it was come time for the Electoral College to vote? No. No, because even if, the let's say if they would have dropped out, okay, we're not going to vote for Trump, we're going to switch our vote, it would have went into the House of Representatives and they still would have given it to Trump. Mm-hmm. So we wasn't nervous about that. We wasn't nervous about him becoming the 45th president. We knew he, he is going to be the 45th president. We I mean, it. we knew that from day one. He's mm-hmm. going to be the 45th president. Yeah, well, you know, I and I credit you gals so much for it. In fact, I give you far more credit than the Russians, okay, because that was, <laughs> no, <that's> right? right? <laughs> Y'all think you're... You, yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, but see, but what it is is the left is so embarrassed. They just any blame anybody. Okay, mm-hmm. now we gonna blame the Russia. First, it was the voting machines. Mm-hmm. Okay, that didn't stick. Well, now we gonna blame Russian hacks. Well, now mm-hmm. we gonna blame fake news. Mm-hmm. And really, they they are responsible for fake news because didn't they lie to us and say that Hillary was up in the polls? Oh yeah, she was up in the polls, all right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They are the still. Polls. Oh yeah. Well, you know what? <laughs> they're still playing. What they didn't understand when you guys were the best representatives for that is that their game of identity politics divided 
dividing us up, division, 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 mm -hmm. uh, telling all the different identity groups from the women to, you know, the immigrants and to the African-Americans that the Republican Party were the party of haters. Yeah. They are, they, that, that lost, and they are still doing that. They are still telling us that we're racist. Absolutely. Yeah. First of all, I'm, I'm a Republican now because we switched our party to Republican. So what I need, what I do is let them know I'm not a racist. I'm a realist. That's right. I see the reality of what's going on in this country, and we don't like it, and we have to change it. Now, Michelle Obama, she went on Oprah, and she mm -hmm. and Oprah, they had a sit down, and mm -hmm. she proceeded to tell Oprah that, ne that hope was, was important, and in fact, now she gets it because now America knows what hopelessness feels We're like. We're not having hope feels mm -hmm. like. Yeah, but isn't that mm -hmm. so sad? See, the, coming from the woman, the first lady, who can eat whatever she want to eat, mm -hmm. who can take a vacation wherever she wants to, and when she leaves that White House, she's going to always have armed guards be behind her picket fences. Mm -hmm. She'll still be able to travel where she wants and eat what she wants, and you got veterans that can't even do that. So for her to make that statement to imply that Donald Trump is making everybody lose hope, no, mm -hmm. let's go back to what your husband did. That's right. We was hoping a lot of things up under him, and it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. That's why Donald Trump is in office today. That's right. Because of hope. See, he gave us hope when, as soon as he became president-elect, he went down there to Indiana and looked at Carrier. We got to save these jobs. Mm -hmm. That gave us hope. He told, uh, 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 what's this airplane? This, I can't think Boeing. of Boeing. Boeing. He told him, listen, if this plane going to be $4 billion, then you might as well scrap that, because we ain't paying the taxpayers. Then You're not going to spend, they're not spending all this money. You're not going to mack the taxpayers with your foolishness. Mm -hmm. You got what I'm saying? That's looking out for the American people. Tell me one time have Obama went to save a job. He wanted to sign TPP into law. Mm -hmm. So what has he done? So if you go talk about some of y'all, Obama go talk about some. she should have been talking about her husband. Her own husband. Because yeah. people have been depressed for the past eight years and they're tired of it. Right. In fact, he's done nothing but foster hopelessness. He, oh. he, sent a, he sent a delegation of people to Michael Brown's funeral and proceeded to perpetrate the lie that black kids had a target on their backs and were being gunned down in the streets for no reason and the lie of hands up, don't shoot. I mean, oh, we had... Look at what happened over the weekend in Chicago. Now, Obama's running around, but have you even mentioned anything about the black people or the black men that been shot or these gang members? Mm -hmm. Whether they're black, white, Hispanic, I don't know what they are. Well, who's doing it? Have shot 11, the, all of these people that got shot over the weekend. Mm -hmm. Like, spend your last time at least looking out. Oh, wait a minute, we got to do something about that. But see, they turn a blind eye to that. Oh, yeah, shall we never forget. It is time to put Americans first, and it is time to put America back on track. That's and right. we're going to get that with Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know what? Trump ain't even going to take a salary. You're right about no. Michelle Obama and how she has been living large, living oh, yeah. fat, P-H-A-T. Those people have spent $85 million of taxpayer money on taxpayer. vacations. Mm -hmm. that, right. You know, who is she to be right. talking about hopeless? This woman don't That's know what right. hopeless means. Right. That's why right. I was taken back. I did not talk about... Uh, see, we... We made a video about that because we were taken back about what she said. We wasn't trying to attack her personally mm -hmm. because at well, the end I of the will. day, they're still the president and the first lady. And you still have to.
have to respect them until they get on out of office. But what we was uh, what we was against was what was what she said. Now we know how it feels not to have any hope. Mm-hmm. You implied that because Donald Trump is elected, now Americans is walking around here hopeless. When Americans been walking around here hopeless up under your husband for the past eight years, right. and somebody needed to explain that to her. And that video that had over what two point some million, million. Yeah. I think she got the message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Now getting into 2017 and why people are hopeful under Trump. You know, he made a lot of promises out on the campaign trail. By the way, if you're just tuning in, this is the Andrea K. Show, and you know, you must recognize those voices. This is Diamond and Silk that I am talking to. He made a lot of promises on the campaign trail. Uh, that resonated with the American people. He's already started to fulfill some of those when he did save the jobs from Carrier and he put the he put the word out to Boeing to, you know, come back with a better deal. But, you know, there's a lot of people saying, you know what, look at some of his nominations for the cabinet. It's okay. looking like some indications that he's not necessarily going to do everything he said. What are your expectations from Trump in terms of his ability to actually carry through on everything that he promised? I think that he is going to do his best to carry through on everything that he promised. Mm-hmm. Now, look at the cabinet members. A lot of them are billionaires and millionaires. Woo, thank goodness. I am happy that we have millionaires and billionaires running things. Broke people can't tell you how to get money. That's right. They can't show you. Look at how we are $20 trillion in debt. It's a luckily that somebody didn't come and start repossessing stuff at that White House. Mm-hmm. People are the Peter to pay Paul. So we need people to have business savvy, business sense that know how to make money running those cabinets. That's right. So it gives me hope when I see that. Because if you take and you put poor people over stuff, then everybody's going to be looking for handouts. We got. To, we can't do that anymore. That's you right. know, we can't. We can't run our country no. like that no more. And at the end of the day, he is a successful businessman. Mm-hmm. So he had to make strategic decisions and, and, and put people in place that knew how to do certain things to make things work. Mm-hmm. That's right. all he and, and one thing about him, now, he said he liked to hire and he liked to fire. Mm-hmm. So if you're not doing your job, when he come back to you and it don't look right, then it'll be breaking news. Yeah. Donald yeah. Trump just fired this cabinet. You're fired. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how it's going to be. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, personal question for you ladies. Of course, we're expecting to see you at the inauguration. You're going, aren't you? That's right. Yes, we will be there. Okay. What are your New Year's resolutions for 2017? What are your plans for 2017 as well? Well, we we have a lot of plans that we're keeping a little hush-hush. So as we'll put it out there. However, you know what? My New Year's resolution is discovering me. And don't give a damn of what people think about it. Discovering right. <laughs> <laughs> who I am, baby. And I don't care who don't like it, so what? I want everybody to live their best life. Yes. Live your best life. I don't care who don't like it. Live it. Yes. All right. Well, we love you ladies so much. We thank you. America thanks you for your efforts, for putting yourself out there, for your humor, for your sass, for your stumping, for Trump. You have you have provided so much hope for Americans out there all throughout the year. Because when a lot of Americans were down, thinking it was looking pretty hopeless because they were listening to the fake news and listening mm-hmm. to the fake polls, we could always turn to you and your videos. And we could hear the wisdom. And we could hear the hope. And y'all were right when you predicted that he would be the next president. Thank you so much, ladies. And we look forward to you uh, coming back and sharing with us when you're ready to tell everybody what your plans are. We hope you'll come back. All right. Love you, Andrea. Love you, too. Happy Happy New New Year, Year, everybody. Happy Happy New New Year. All right. Oh, so much fun. And um, did I get it right, Elisa, with my breakout stars of the year? And DJ oh, absolutely. Here. Diamond and Silk. 
don't yeah. know if you remember, I was one of the first people that found them. Yeah, they, they were. They were incredible. I mm-hmm. was so impressed with everything they did yeah. throughout this whole campaign. Yeah, Because they were bringing people over from the dark side. Absolutely. Um, I put it out to, to my listeners what else they wanted to hear on this week's show. And I actually had more than a few comments of people who said, you know what? Um, play some play some clips of the funniest moments of 2016. And um, I think we found there was almost too much to pick from. I had to spend hours yesterday with Dijon, Dylan, going through clips. I, so much we had forgotten about. Um, we're going to start with Trump. And, I mean, it, there's some real knee slappers here. My mom is the strongest woman I know. She should be running. He was a failed candidate. He should have beaten uh, President Obama very easy. He failed miserably. And it was an embarrassment to everybody, including the Republican Party. That's a matter of principle. You are the single biggest liar. You probably are worse than Jeb Bush. You are the single biggest liar. All right. This guy lied. Let me just tell you. This guy lied about Ben Carson when he took votes away from Ben Carson in Iowa. This guy will say anything. Nasty guy. Now I know why he doesn't have one endorsement from any right. of his colleagues. All right, uh, John, I, I get to respond. Senator pick from the buffet there. He's a yeah. nasty guy. Here's a guy that buys a house for 179000 He sells it to a lobbyist who's probably here for 380000 and then legislation is passed. You tell me about this guy. This is what we're going to have. Here's the guy that is... Marco is not a negotiator. I watched him melt down, and I'll tell you, it was one of the saddest things I've ever seen. He's not going down. <laughs> Nobody. You might say, you might talk, your politicians all talk, no action. I've been watching it all my life. There is, you are all talk and no action. What I've seen up here, I mean, first of all, this guy's a choke artist and this guy's a liar. You have a conversation. I think you're on the wrong side of this if you're still arguing for a single parent. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think you're hurting me. You're having a hard time tonight. All right, let's. I'll give you an example. Hillary Clinton is a liar. Hillary Clinton, I was just that's, proven last week. That's Hillary negative. Hillary Clinton, you better believe it. Hillary Clinton is a crook. That's negative. I call her crooked Hillary. She's crooked Hillary. I know Hillary met my campaign manager, and I got the chance to meet the people who are working so hard to get her elected. There they are the heads of NBC, <laughs> CNN. CBS, ABC, there's the New York Times right over there, and the Washington Post. Here she is tonight, in public, pretending not to hate Catholics. She lied. Now she's blaming the lie on the late, great Abraham Lincoln. That's one that I haven't... Okay, Honest Abe. Honest Abe never lied. That's the good thing. That's the big difference between Abraham Lincoln and you. That's a big, big difference. We're talking about some difference. Little Marco, little Marco. Do you know that in Florida, they hate little Marco Rubio so much? You know, he uh, endorsed uh, Lion Ted Cruz. Lion Ted. Lion. He's a liar. Ooh. Bible high. Bible high. Puts it down and then he lies. Mitt Romney. I backed him. You can see how loyal he is. He was begging for my endorsement. I could have said, Mitt, drop to your knees. He would have dropped to his knees. He was begging. So Uma is getting classified secrets. She's married to Anthony Weiner. 
who's a perv. No, he is. He is. And I'll tell you what. I didn't think I'd say this, but I'm going to say it. And I hate to say it. But if I win, I am going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. Awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. And there you have it. The highlight reel of 2016 <coughs> that won Donald J. Trump, the presidency. In fact, I think it was actually the last clip that really put him over the edge. And that was in, I think it was actually the third and the final debate. I think that clinched him for, for him. But in the interest of equal time, we got to play a little high right <laughs> reel from Miss Hillary. <laughs> you could put half of Trump supporters into what I call the basket of deplorables. Right? The racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. Nobody told me that the road would be easy. I don't believe he brought me this far to leave me. And the chair of all in the country, Mayor Palmer from Trenton, New Jersey. Oh, that was an oldie but a goodie. That wasn't actually even from 2016. I don't feel no ways tired. That but from, it's, That was from her best of collection. Yeah, but it's a classic. You got to play it. And I know that there's some people feeling sorry for Hillary actually before the show. DJ Carrot Six, I'm starting to feel sorry for you. No, you cannot feel sorry for the most corrupt criminal to ever Crooked Hillary. Crooked Hillary. She's Crooked Hillary. I know you were just teasing. When I look at her face, though, now, yeah, uh, yes, it's over. Uh, she yeah. lost. And we don't need to, like, push her face in the mud, do we? Yeah, we do. I'm hoping we're going to have that special prosecutor. Can we yeah. just forget about her? Lock her up, everybody. Lock, lock her, her up. up. Lock uh, her up. Well, that was uh, the highlight reel of Trump, as I said, was what propelled him to victory. We're going to take a break. When we come back. It's the final segment of the final Andrea K. Show of 2016 with my winners and losers. Although, didn't we just have a segment on winners and losers? But I've actually got some other winners and losers on the other side of the break. Thanks for being with me. Don't, but don't go anywhere. Be sure to follow Andrea K. on Twitter at Andrea K. Show and follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. Statistics have shown that it's some point you will die. In fact, I could die during this commercial. Now that I have your attention, this is tax and estate planning attorney Rod Hadley of the Hadley Law Group. Because life happens, it makes sense to have an estate plan in place much the same way you probably have life insurance to provide for your family. An estate plan is a set of instructions for how you want your assets to be passed on in a way that works for you and your loved ones. For a free consultation, give me a call at 858-792-3444, 858-792-3444. I can't wait to help protect your family's legacy. You're listening to the Andrea K Show on AM 1170, The Answer. Andrea 
BK show. I was just going to keep keep letting that song play. I'd forgotten how much I loved it. What happened to like upbeat pop tunes, you know? We still have a little bit of that, but not as much. I think the closest we have to that right now is kind of Bruno Mars. You know, don't you think? Bruno- I agree. Yeah. It's <clears throat> dance, happy music. Dance and happy music. Not so much of this. I want to shoot you in the face. It's either like, I- you know, gangster rap shooting in the face or everyone's heartbroken. Oh, I know. The the whiny. If I hear Adele, one more. Adele makes me want to jab myself in the eyeball with a pen. I changed the station when she's... I can't stand it. It's so whiny. And there's a particular style of... I don't know. I can't even... I can't even... Because I changed the channel. But yeah, I know. Yeah, it's it's too whiny for me. I love the upbeat. And I love the lyrics in that. I don't think I ever paid attention. You put the boom, boom in my heart, he says. I love that. And you know what? You all out there, friends of the Andrea K Show... And my friends and family on social media put the boom boom in my heart. I always feel stupid saying that. But do, it's Do you know from the video he's got that choose life shirt? I, I love know. it. I know. That's life awesome. Life matters. <laughs> It's been quite a year hanging out with you guys. It's been an extraordinary year for America and extraordinary for me to get to share it with you all out there. This is when I usually do my Hero of the Week and my last week's Fool, this week's Tool Award. I thought about instead doing my winners and losers of 2016. And the obvious choice would be what we just heard, you know, Trump versus Hillary. But you know what? They were representatives of America. They were out there pitching themselves to be the person to carry this nation forward in terms of policy. They were representing America's. At least that's what our country is supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about a representative government. <clears throat> so they're not actually my winners and losers. My winners are actually um, what, and I, I'm not sure if it was Hannity who coined the phrase the forgotten man, but that's really who the winners were in this election. It was everyday Americans, <clears throat> the forgotten man and woman, and not just the hard hats and the Rust Belt. But from the Rust Belt to the Bible Belt, and not just the, the the workers, the blue-collar workers, but the entrepreneurs, the people who scrape up money or borrow seven figures that they are now responsible for paying back because they got a dream of entrepreneurship and starting a business. But they got roadblock against roadblock every step of the way of a government picking their pockets and trying to control every move and every decision they make. That's who won. And those entrepreneurs, they're going to be helping. The winners of the entrepreneurs won. But their workers won. And just like those, the hard hats and the rust belt and the coal mines and all the forgotten man and woman. But also when you get to the Bible belt, the Christians. You got the Hobby Lobbies. You got the old lady of the sisters of the poor that both religious organizations and Christians themselves who had the jackboot of tyranny from a Marxist Islamist president trying to deny them their Christian freedoms in this country. So the forgotten man and woman from the Rust Belt to the Bible Belt won in this election. They won because it's a restoration to American values of individual freedom and individual responsibility. Not looking to the state to solve every problem, not looking to the state to put a roof over your head, provide you a phone, house, cars, college education, and everything that you, you think you want. Uh, the losers <clears throat> actually was it was more than just Hillary Clinton because I really don't care about Hillary Clinton and her loss. Really, the biggest losers for the year, and this actually wasn't my idea; it came to me from one of my amazing Facebook uh, friends and listeners. It's the Never Trumpers, the Never Trumpers, who really thought from the beginning, actually going back into 2015, particularly on the Republican side, the GOP establishment and the media and the Republican Party. <clears throat> Even the cruiser voters all thinking that they were going to be able to bully us into submission to stop Trump from getting the nomination. Then the never Trumpers who thought they were actually going to overturn the election and stop him from taking office. They are the biggest losers because you know what? He will be inaugurated in January. He will become the 45th president of the United States. 
this is the time in which I should probably be supposed to be making predictions for 2017. I never predict what a jury's going to do either. There's, it's impossible for me. When George W. Bush took office, none of us could have any idea that nine months later the Twin Towers would fall. So I will not make a prediction. Just that, oh, you know what? I'm going to make one. I predict that the stock market will break the 20,000 mark. That may actually happen before the new year, but going into 2017, we will reach that milestone. That's the only prediction I'll make in terms of America. I will predict that I'm going to have an announcement for you all on a project that I'm developing. So look for me to make that announcement in January. So really, all I can really predict is that I'm going to be back here Tuesdays at 6 p.m. I hope you all join me. I, from the deepest of my heart. Thank you all so much for sharing this year with me. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I hope you'll stay with me into 2017. I hope you have a very safe and very happy New Year's. I love you all so much and love to everybody here at AM 1170 and my girl, Elisa Brent. My sponsor, love you too. My sponsors, Rod Hatley, Julie Mills Brennan, and Al Arias, who's been out of town for two weeks. He's going to be back soon. Love you all. Happy New Year's, everybody.